everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining us. Today we're going to be revisiting a pretty popular topic, which is menopause. One of our first podcasts that Laura and I ever did was on menopause, but unfortunately the sound quality was really poor, so there are some areas that you can't even really hear, and we're actually going to be looking at releasing um, this podcast in smaller sections in the video format. So what I would love is if anyone that's listening can give us a bit of feedback on what they would prefer, whether they would like smaller or whether they would like longer with even more information what's easiest for you to listen to also if you have any more information that you would like to be covered in future podcasts please let us know because our feedback is is really going to be helpful for us so um, I know that before I had Ash, I used to love listening to long podcasts, but now I like to listen to small ones. So it's really personal. So I want to work to you guys. So how are you going, Laura? What's new with you? Oh, I've been pretty good. It's been a while. <laughs> has been. <laughs> Last time we were recording, you were pregnant with Ash. Yes. And uh, now I'm pregnant with my yes. first baby. So it looks like we're doing tag teams. <laughs> It's very exciting. <laughs> oh, no. oh. <laughs> so you've been going well with the pregnancy? I have. I've been super, super lucky. Yeah, awesome. I've been really well. So um, just past halfway now, which is exciting. Starting uh, wow. for the last couple of me- weeks, I've been feeling it move. Um, That's the best. Yeah, makes it real. <laughs> yeah. So just waiting now for it to get strong enough for my husband to feel it move. Um, yeah, it might like, be long now. I know. I, every day I'm like, come on, move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes miss that feeling of them moving in, in my belly. But, of course, it's always so much better having an actual bundle <laughs> of joy to play with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Ash is actually, he's almost nine months now. Wow. So that has gone so quickly. That's he's amazing, just isn't it? crawling around like Speedy Gonzales. <laughs> Yeah, and once they start crawling, it's no rest for mum. Yeah, that's right. He's into everything. <laughs> I think he's going to be a climber because his dad was. And he's just he's just like discovering everything and he's pulling over all the indoor pot plants and right. climbing up, like reaching up to the shelves and like grabbing the PlayStation. So, oh, yeah, dear. I'm always chasing him. <laughs> he's such a little cutie. I can't believe how much hair he has. Yeah, heaps. <laughs> Actually, I keep meaning to ask you, is that old wives' tale true? Did you get lots of heartburn? I had no heartburn whatsoever. Oh, so, no, it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't true for me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I didn't have any morning sickness either, so maybe my digestive system was a bit better. But I think yeah. that was also a hereditary thing for me as well because my mum didn't have morning sickness. Yeah, right. So, I, lucky. <laughs> yeah, super lucky. I'm the same. My mum, actually, you're right, my mum didn't either yeah. um, and I didn't, although my sister did, but she takes more oh, okay. after my dad's side of the family. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have any brothers or sisters, so I'll never know. But... <laughs> you, can't, you can't measure it. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. So what I wanted to get started with is just a bit of a background on menopause and so we can look at understanding what actually is menopause. The men menopause word comes from the um, term stopping of menstruation. So meno and pause. <laughs> and so we know that menopause usually occurs around 45 or 55 years of age and the average is, is around 50 to 51. If you experience menopause before 40, this is classed as premature menopause, uh, between 40 and 45, it's early menopause. And there's a, there's a few things that will actually affect how much you'll go into menopause, isn't there? It sure is. Um, so things like body weight, um, uh, underweight women or women on the thinner size tend to go into menopause earlier. Um, it's due to the fact that because they have less body fat, our body fat stores the estrogen. So mm. um, they already have less estrogen floating around in their body. So they tend to go into menopause um, earlier. And women also who have a history of smoking or obviously if they've had a hysterectomy are more likely to have an early menopause as well. Mm. And that's interesting with the link between the hysterectomy and the menopause. Maybe we can go into that a bit more later because I think that a lot of people aren't actually aware of, of that link. Yeah. So what's actually starting to happen when we do go into menopause with our hormones? Um, so our ovaries start to slow down on, in their work of producing our um, estradiol and progesterone. Yep. So when the uh, estrogen starts to drop, this is when usually we start to get our menopausal symptoms. Yep. And so that's, that's usually like a four to six years transition, isn't it? So yeah. it, I think um, I understand it to be that the hormones are fluctuating. So it's not always that like, estrogen is low, but it's the relative up and down of them that causes the problems. So when the estrogen go, sometimes estrogen can go quite high, um, particularly in the early stages. But then a lot of the other issues that you do get is the deficiency of the estrogen, um, in particular for things like the bone issues and uh, in some cases the hot flushes for that as well. Absolutely. And with that perimenopause, um, you know, often it is that the, the excess of the, you know, it's not necessarily menopausal symptoms, it can be the excess of the estrogen causing those, those yes. symptoms. Yeah. And that's something that happens so much more these days as well, because our estrogen receptors are not fussy whatsoever. They will actually take up anything. They'll take up estrogen in the form of phytoestrogens from our diet, which we can use to our advantage when we're looking at treating menopause. But unfortunately, we'll also take up estrogens in the form of xenoestrogens, which are chemicals from um, nasty sources like, like plastics. And that can act really, really strongly on those receptors and cause the estrogen dominance or estrogen excess conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Detoxification. We need yes. to make sure that's happening. <laughs> yes. So um, you can you can support that process by working on your liver function and you can do that in the lead up to your menopausal years yep. or even during menopause. You can still help yourself then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's probably the first thing that I look at when people, especially younger people that mm. think they're going through menopause, look at the liver function. Yep. Definitely. <clears throat> so menopause, it's it's the period after your period ends and so it has to be from 12 months after your last menstrual bleed 
and like we were talking about earlier when like a lot of women can enter menopause naturally but there are other instances where menopause can occur um, such as premature ovarian failure which is one um, percent of women or so and that's when it occurs in women less than 40 um, but then there's also artificially induced menopause which can occur from certain um, like medications and surgery and things like that for instance the medications that they use to treat um, endometriosis and fibroids these ones are the um, they're called gonadotrophin releasing hormone agonists and they're also used in um, some some medications that are used to treat hormonal cancers they're going to have the same effect as that but thankfully a lot of the time that's a temporary effect so it will um, just cause the period to stop inducing an artificial menopause and then once you go off those medications most of the time your periods will go back again um, sometimes radiation-induced menopause can occur, like for instance if there's radiation to the pelvic area and that damages the ovaries, unfortunately that is not reversible. And also with hysterectomy as well. Yes, um, yeah, so with the hysterectomy, um, when the ovaries and uterus are removed, then that's when the menopause starts. Yes. Um, and because all of a sudden you've had your ovaries and uterus removed, it happens very quickly. So it can be pretty severe um, yeah. and pretty nasty for those poor women uh, when they experience their menopause. Um, and also there's the partial hysterectomy. So <clears throat> that usually takes longer to come on. Um, and a lot of women are told that they won't go through menopause when they have a partial hysterectomy. But mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> sadly, that's not the case. Well, it's, yeah, it's thought that it's about five years on average that you'll go through menopause after you've had a partial hysterectomy, but it can be even one to two years afterwards. And um, it's a, I think one in three women will experience symptoms after a partial hysterectomy. So that's a pretty high, high amount. Yeah, it is. Not a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, after you've had the uterus removed, you're still going to be noticing um, symptoms associated with your cycle before you do go into menopause, like PMS, or if you get symptoms when you ovulate. But it's also it's much harder to predict when that's going to happen because you don't actually have a period to track it to. Yes. So what are some symptoms of menopause? Oh, well, um, they're all been lovely. Um, <laughs> So usually people will notice that their period either starts to get heavier or starts to get lighter and it can switch. So, you know, they might get a really light period or their period might disappear for a couple of months and then they'll get a really heavy period and get flooding and it can be pretty nasty. Um, the hot flushes. So that's mm -hmm. the thing that we often treat, you know, women come to see us for, hot flushes and the night sweats. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the hot flushes are usually described as coming from the feet and just whooshing right up over the body and yeah. coming from within and being pretty nasty, yep. like nothing else you've experienced before. Um, anxiety, depression, insomnia, crawling skin, uh, low libido, vaginal dryness. Um, what else have we got to add? What have you got? Uh, like muscle aches and pains, joint pains, uh, weight gain, particularly around the abdomen, uh, loss of loss of muscle strength, bladder weakness, tiredness, brain fog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so always a symptom of menopause. It can be. Yeah, sleep issues, um, hair problems like, like hair loss, um, and thinning, and also increased facial hair, usually on the top lip or sometimes on the jawline as well. 
palpitations, mm-hmm. dizziness, sometimes an increase in allergies as well. Um, and some weird ones like electric shocks, um, like like feeling like you're getting zapped from within, um, burning tongue, and also acid reflux is much more common after menopause as well. Yeah. Yeah. So quite a lot of women do experience symptoms when they go through menopause. So they say 85% of women report more than one symptom, and uh, but it doesn't always have to be severe. So only 10% of women actually have to go to their doctor for help. For their symptoms yeah i mean i'd say as a naturopath um if you're getting any symptoms of menopause I, i'd be seeking help of a naturopath because i don't think that we should have to suffer with these yeah. symptoms um yep. <laughs> definitely something that we can do something about so that we can enjoy life yeah definitely and i mean it's it's your choice as to what you want to do about those symptom control as well so there's natural treatments available which is what we're going to be going into and then there's also options available from your doctor so i think it's important to be informed so for instance there's bioidentical hormones and then there's also hrt which is from the um, conjugated equine hormones as well which is what they make from pregnant mare urine which is yeah (laughs) i didn't know that great yeah Yeah, so the poor little horses have to be kept pregnant pretty constantly in order to have that constantly being pumped out yeah so um, in terms of the symptoms as well one of the main things that we actually want to look at is not so much the the symptom control of the things that we were just talking about I mean that's obviously very important to deal with because it can be quite disturbing for some people but that usually only lasts about five years what can happen though is that you get silent symptoms and this occurs ongoing after you've reached menopause and this is important because this affects your quality and quantity of life as well so things that usually occur is your changes in your cholesterol levels um, and changes in bone density your muscle mass decreases and there's often changes in your thyroid function insulin control and adrenal function as well so while it's uh, not very well known about these we, we do want to try and look at supporting it Mm. And I mean, those, you know, even though people may not identify that that's what's going on, they potentially are going to cause symptoms, you know, the thyroid is going to cause changes to their energy and their weight and the adrenal. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be helpful to work on those issues. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and you can also get blood tests to, to mark where you're at with it. For instance, like you can do your thyroid function, you can do insulin, you can do your fasting glucose, cholesterol, liver function tests. You can do, you should also do your renal function as well to see how that's going and inflammatory markers, which is not usually considered to be a stock standard one that's done for menopause, but it is good to do because that in, increase in inflammation is associated with fast aging and the changes in cognition and and the decrease in the muscle mass as well so you want to have a look at that Um, so one of the other things like we were just talking about just then is the importance of keeping your bones healthy so we know that our bones start to decrease after menopause if your bones were good to begin with then it shouldn't be too much of a problem but if you had weak bones to begin with then that's where you're going to get some issues So how do you look after your bones? Absolutely. Well, with the bone health, um, the study shows that 5 to 10% of our bone density will decrease once we go through menopause. Mm. Um, so, you know, we really do want to look after our bones before we before we hit menopause. Um, so it's all to do with the estrogen levels declining um, and this 
results in increased reabsorption of the bone minerals. Um, so, it, you know, it means that menopausal women are at an increased risk of osteoporosis. So that's what we're trying to avoid here. We don't want people falling over and breaking a hip. Um, so your peak bone mass is achieved in your 20s. So good nutrition in early life is really important to try and get the, the bone mass to be its optimum before we go through menopause. Um, but then, you know, it's not all lost after your mid-20s. You, you can still keep your bones nice and healthy in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and as we approach menopause, then we want to make sure that our lifestyle and our diet is going to be helping us with our strong bones. Um, so it's the first five years after menopause that you'll get that rapid decrease. And then after that, it should slow down to about the same rate as males, and that's about 1% loss per year. So it's mm -hmm. still, it's still you know, relevant that we keep on looking after our bones for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so things we can do to improve our bone health and to improve the minerals that are going into the bones, we want to make sure that we're getting sufficient calcium through our diet. Um, and these forms, they need to have the co other cofactors with the calcium as well. So we'll talk about which forms of calcium are the best to get the calcium into your bones um, in a little while. But we can do this through supplements and you can do it through diet. You want to avoid having too much caffeine, too much alcohol, too much soft drinks because these will actually pull the minerals out of your bones. Right. So, you know, an, an occasional coffee, an occasional glass of wine is fine, but we don't want to be going overboard. <laughs> um, a balanced diet and a diet that's not too high in animal proteins um, and also avoiding too much sugar and um, too much salt in the diet because these, again, will pull the calcium out of your bones and put it into your urine and then you excrete it from the body. So we want to keep it in the bones. Uh, we want to make sure that we're exercising. So regular exercise is really important. Um, I usually recommend 30 minutes five times a week or 45 minutes four times a week. We've got to keep our exercise quite high um, and regular. You know, we want to do it often and that actually helps to push the calcium back into the bones. The exercise is really important. You can be taking calcium supplements, but if you're not doing the exercise, it's not necessarily going to be going into your bones. Any particular type of exercise? Uh, Weight-bearing exercise is important. I mean, I think walking is so easy. There's, mm. Aside from if the weather's bad, there's not much that stops us from being able to go for a walk. Um, and also home-based exercises. I know that you know a good one that people can do at home. Yep, the strong women, strong bones. Yeah, that's awesome. Keep me in can... <laughs> Yeah, you can you can get that online, and it's just so easy to do because you can use it with like shopping bags and like like milk bottles, that sort of thing. So just whatever you've got lying around the house. That's awesome. And that's designed for people who are a lot later on in life that don't have quite the strength and mobility. So it starts off really easy and then you can get a little bit more movement as you go into it. Mm, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, maybe a combination of walking some days, doing that some days. Yep. The variety going and things like yoga, swimming, um, you know, nothing that's going to be too intense. We don't want to cause an injury. Um, but, you know, that weight-bearing exercise and when – also, the thing with weight-bearing exercise is our bodies are a weight. You know, if we're, if we're walking and we've yeah. got a good body weight, then that helps with the, the weight-bearing. And that's where there can be a problem for the people who have a really low body weight because yeah. they don't have 
the weight in their muscles to... So you get some little hand weights? Yeah. <laughs> or use uh, some cans of tomatoes from your cupboard. Yep. That's, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and the other thing is to make sure the digestion is working well. Like you said, postmenopausal women have been found to have uh, low digestive acids, so the um, hydrochloric acid. That's needed to actually get the calcium to be absorbed from the gut. So we yeah. really need to make sure that digestion is working well so that, again, we're absorbing our calcium. It will go back to, yes, you can take a supplement, but if you're not absorbing it, it's just expensive wee. So yeah, you, it. you've got to be absorbing it. <laughs> and it's got to be the right form of calcium as well. Definitely. So a lot of the calcium supplements that you'll find on the shelf, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> or a lot of the nutritional advice that we receive um, on the large scale, not not the best form of calcium and not doesn't have the cofactors to help us absorb it yeah so yeah. so we're looking at like things like um not so much calcium carbonate and more like calcium citrate and like a, alongside things like boron vitamin k2 and magnesium and vitamin d vitamin d absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the nutrients for the healthy bones, calcium um, prevents and treats osteoporosis. So, you know, that's important leading, well, all of life to get to your bone, peak bone mass and then leading into menopause, after menopause. So spinach, broccoli, almonds, sesame seeds, sardines, salmon. And if you're having salmon, you want the bones. So tin salmon is a really easy way yeah. to do that. And sardines. Um, yeah, sardines, delish. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I know you do. You like funny things. I like sardines too. <laughs> um, magnesium. So magnesium really needs to come alongside calcium because it helps with the absorption of the calcium and the retention of the calcium. So magnesium needs to be in your supplements. And the problem with, say, um, dairy sources of calcium is that cofactors Yes, the dairy's got calcium, but the cofactors aren't always there. So mm. if you're eating almonds, you're getting your cofactors mm. in with the calcium. So you shouldn't just rely on that for your, for your exactly. only source. Yep, variety. That's what we like. <laughs> um, and then the other minerals for absorption, zinc, copper, strontium, mag manganese, silicon, um, and the vitamin D, like you said, are really important for getting that calcium into the bones. Yeah. And I actually found um, some research a while ago that showed that people could improve their bone scores just by taking boron as well. Mm. So I, I would still go back to using the whole complex. But yeah. it's interesting how it's not just about calcium. Exactly. And that's prunes, boron, isn't it? Um, if you eat prunes, you get yep. plenty of boron. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like prunes. <laughs> I actually don't. So there you go. Oh. I have sardines. You have prunes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so other um, foods that I would really highly recommend people eat: fresh fruit and veggies. Yeah. Um, I saw some research that showed that each additional serve of fresh fruit and veggies increases your bone mineral density by one percent. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then calcium-rich foods that contain mag magnesium and the other minerals. So, again, the almonds, leafy greens and sesame seeds. So tahini. And seaweed. Mm, oh, yes, seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone's cup of tea, but, yes, it's very dense. <laughs> so, yeah, the bone health, um, it's, I don't know, it's made me a bit kind of paranoid now. <laughs> I want to make sure my bones are nice and strong. Well, particularly now that you're pregnant, you are going to be leaching out a lot of calcium. Yeah. So you've got to look after it during this time and also keeping your teeth healthy. 
Yeah, it's actually funny. I don't usually eat much dairy and I started craving milk. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so I, I actually, like I've been having others, I've been eating prunes, um, but I ended up getting a calcium supplement because I just thought this milk craving is just over the top. Yeah, I actually do often recommend a calcium complex during the second and third trimester because you, that's when you do start laying down the calcium for the bub. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's when you need it. Yeah. So just going back to the symptoms that people experience, um, is do you think that there's much that your lifestyle could actually do to affect your symptoms in terms of making it worse or better? Absolutely, yeah, I do. Um, uh, a lot of naturopaths say that the 10 years leading up to menopause really does influence how well you go through menopause. Yeah. So it is really important to try and make sure we are as... I mean, we're naturopaths. We want people to try and make sure they're as healthy as possible all the time. Yes. Um, so not just because of menopause, because of everything. Um, but, you know, factors that will influence how well you go through menopause are whether you exercise, how well you eat, um, your stress management. You know, mm. if you drink too much alcohol, if you drink a lot of coffee, how well your adrenals are working, how well your liver's working. So, um, so yeah. take care of all of that part. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was reading a study that said that your symptoms are actually determined a fair amount by your health when you enter menopause. And it said that that it's not just your menopausal symptoms, but also your heart health and your bone health. And so we should be seeking to be healthy to lead, uh, in the lead up to the menopause to really give ourselves a good go at it. And so in that study, they, like you said, they looked at exercise, diet, stress, and also our psychosocial functioning. So basically how will we get along with others and that, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is an important part of healthy aging. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, having meaningful relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And for women, I think girlfriends, like girlfriends are really important at yeah. every and- stage. Yeah, I think that is really important because, I mean, it is fairly statistically significant that men do die earlier than women. So yep. you need to have those relationships there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yep. it's sad, isn't it? I feel I know it's it, horrible. But... <laughs> it is horrible, but don't lose your female friends. That's it. <laughs> that's like I think that's so important. Don't just get you know people who pair off just with their husband and forget all of their friends and lose their friends I just always think that's so sad because once they're gone they're gone what if something happens yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) us with me with my pregnancy hormones used to recovering afterwards we'll end up in tears yeah (laughs) let's go into some statistics some boring statistics and that will make us feel better (laughs) so um Let's talk about like in terms of the amount of um, symptoms that people actually experience. So hot flushes. So before menopause, so premenopause, that can affect between ten to forty-five percent of people. During perimenopause, thirty to seventy-five percent, so a huge amount. And postmenopause, thirty-five to eighty percent. So it's important to remember that symptoms don't just happen in that bit before menopause and then as soon as you hit menopause, then it's done. It's before menopause and after menopause for a, for a period as well. Mm. Um, in terms of like libido issues, that in, can affect up to 75% of women as well and after menopause, 65%. So it actually does get a little bit better after the menopause has actually happened as well. 
in terms of the psychological symptoms, depression can affect um, 29 to 55%, um, irritability 55% of women as well, and things like um, headaches and stiff joints after menopause that can affect anywhere between 5 and 52%. So that's a pretty broad range there. Mm. So there's quite a lot of things that, that actually can affect as well. So um, one of the other things that we didn't talk about earlier in the symptoms was menstrual migraines. Mm. So this can occur during the perimenopausal period when your periods are going a little bit all over the place in about six to seven percent of women and this can even happen in people who've never had migraines before and usually it's caused by that sudden drop in the estrogen. Um, let's go into hot flushes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know that about two out of three women will get hot flushes It'll usually last for five years or so. So it's lots of fun. What, what can we do about it? <laughs> so there's some, if you're experiencing hot flushes now, you haven't had time to go to your naturopath yet. Um, <laughs> some things that you can do to help is to dress in layers so that you can start peeling layers off yep. um, as the hot flush occurs. Uh, try and wear breathable um, fabrics so that you know you're not getting all sweaty and uncomfortable when the flush is coming. Um, carry a fan, yep. a little like handheld fan, so that um, you know you can quickly cool yourself off. But don't do it to exertion. So like you won't actually be calm while you're doing it. Just gently, <laughs> yes, or get someone else to do it. <laughs> oh yes, a nice man in just like a, a little uh, swimsuit yeah, <laughs> with a lay with some with some palms. <laughs> Yeah, and some grapes to feed you. Perfect. That'd be good. Yeah, you won't have any hot flushes there. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, no bad ones. Yeah. Um, but at that point of don't, you know, don't get flustered with um, fanning yourself, that's another important point. Like try and stay calm as much as you can yeah. and, and remember to breathe. Yeah, so um, getting some breathing techniques to actually practice what, when it's happening is a good idea. So um, like, the, like in for six, hold for two, out for eight. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. Or alternate nostril breathing where you um, have the two fingers there and then you breathe in, hold, and then breathe out through the other one and then breathe in and then keep going that way. Yeah. Anayama. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Love that. Um, I got this tip from my mum actually. She said that have a scarf um, and because then that's something that you can take off that will make you feel much cooler. Oh, that's So nice. just like a loose one but then it's, it's a nice thing just to cool down quickly. Just feels like a relief. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, awesome. Goes and you get to that nice... of layers. Yeah, and you get to wear some nice scarves. Yeah. It's an excuse to buy yourself some new scarves. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can get like a scarf rack or like um, a whole bit in your wardrobe just for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what about herbs? Well, um, so herbal medicines I find work beautifully for menopause. I mean, this is what I always go for for my menopausal patients. Um, A lot of the herbal preparations you can buy off the shelf don't seem very effective. So I'll just go out there and say that. So if you have tried um, herbal medicines from your chemist or whatever um, and they haven't worked, doesn't mean that they won't work for you. That's yeah. a really, really important point. Um, I've actually you, had that same experience. People come in and say, well, I've actually tried that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've tried everything. And sometimes it will even be the same herb that we say we want to use with them, but yeah. it's just been in too low a dose or, yeah. 
you know, not the right form or whatever. And so it hasn't worked. But herbs work beautifully for, for menopause. Mm. Um, and there's good research in it too at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly with black cohosh. And that, that's, you know, that's definitely one of my go-to herbs, black yeah. cohosh. <laughs> Um, um, and the first thing I usually try and do is get rid of the hot flushes yep. because I think yeah. we can get rid of that and then we can work on everything else. Um, so black cohosh is always my first herb that I use because I find that that's really effective for getting the um, hot flushes under control. I was, did you see that study where they said that they found it was as effective as conjugated estrogen in treating that's, hot flushes? Yeah. Yeah. To placebo. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is really, really good result. Mm. There was some bad press going around about black cohosh a little while ago. There was a couple of cases where they thought that it might have been responsible for some liver damage. So now most black cohosh products do have a warning on it. But what they actually found when they looked at it a little bit closer was that there was quite a lot of other unknown ingredients in these supplements. So this was not black cohosh that you or I would sell this or use. This was um, like, yeah over the internet sort of black cohosh and it's suspect yeah and when they've actually looked at it in other studies there has been no influence on liver function so yeah we're pretty confident that it's safe yeah <laughs> it's just all... a shame i did have yeah. someone ring me a while ago who got home with their supplements and then read the warning and was scared to take the black cohosh and yeah. it's it's a shame that because you know someone's manufactured that manufactured a bad product it's now yeah I mean, it's all there for safety, but yeah, I think just to be safe, you would look at your liver function tests and yes. you're on it. But and peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, apart from looking at treating the hot flushes specifically, then there's also other things that we use to like treat stress and, and like stress support in general as well and, and any other symptoms that are happening, for instance, like your bladder leakage. We've got some really good bladder tonic herbs like Crataeva. Um, if there's brain fog, we use brain tonic. So it depends on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And oh, another, liver. Yes, because <laughs> of the estrogen ex- excess. That much <laughs> yeah, be liver herbs. Yes. <laughs> Um, the other one that I like to use quite a lot is sage because that's classed as an antihydrotic, so it helps just to basically dry up the sweating. And this is something that you can do at home. It's been traditionally used as making it like, for a tea, but you do need to drink a litre a day of the tea. Yeah, a sage tea. Mm. <laughs> you might want to flavour it up with some other things. Yes, like some, I like it with blackberries. Nice. <laughs> you could make yep. an iced tea out of that. Mmm, yum. Yeah, yeah delish. Any other herbs that you particularly like? Or I think we've, we've covered a fair bit, haven't we? Yeah, oh, and obviously Shatavari for the libido. When we start working on the libido, yes. I really like the Shatavari for that as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, my oh, peony, hormone balancing herbs. Um, but, yeah. It's tribulus. You, you, and, and the yeah. tribulus is also good because that supports your DHEA and that helps with your bone health in that regard as well because mm-hmm. the DHEA will also support your bones. Yeah. yeah lovely what about diet diet wise so obviously there's all of the calcium uh foods that we just talked about yep. really um it comes down to eating you know ba- base in basic sense eating a nice natural diet so trying to get rid of your processed foods and eating as many natural foods as possible then there's some um, specific foods that we can include to help with the symptoms so phytoestrogen um, foods so phytoestrogens are a chemical 
in the food, um, in the natural plant food sources, um, that looks like, to the body, it looks like estrogen. So it can make the body think that it has a bit more estrogen and it can decrease the symptoms, which is nice. Um, so phytoestrogenic foods are soy. And um, when we Preferably come to... Preferably non-GM. Yeah. So we want to look for not genetically modified and we want to look for things like miso soup, tempeh, like nice, yeah. um, more natural sources of soy and more traditional sources of soy, not filling up too much on soy milk or highly mm. processed soy. Mm. Um, having said that, I have used soy milk in patients of mine before to help them ease through menopause if they're really struggling to modify their diet. Um, just a little bit of, not, not overdoing it, but a little bit of soy milk um, each day helps um, yeah. need it. I think that's a personal thing as well because it also depends on your thyroid function because yeah. there are some cases where like if your thyroid is a little bit underactive, then you might be more sensitive to soy. Whereas if your thyroid is going great guns, then you might be okay with soy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And obviously not overdoing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? A lot of us... Yeah. Um, get a little bit we start doing something and then we start doing it too much or we start eating something and then it's the only thing we eat or you know mm. variety it's all going back to variety yeah. <laughs> um, what are some other phytoestrogens other phytoestrogens so flaxseed is a really good one yeah um and uh legumes sprouts lentils um uh, i think they're some of the easy ones yeah i think that's like a quite a lot most of them and like the legumes and sprouts and lentils they have a bit of other foods within that category as well but in terms with the flax seeds though there's been a couple of studies that are a bit conflicting with that uh, but what they found was that when they've used to um, cook with like so if they've been in breads and muffins and things like that or flaxseed meal it's not really that effective but if you get the freshly ground flaxseed like if you like crush it yourself then it will actually be very helpful for treating hot flushes uh, and so the best way to do it is to buy the seeds whole and then grind it in the coffee grinder and keep it in the fridge and then they do that each week um, because yeah if you buy the flax seeds already um, crushed up then they're kind of already going rancid mm -hmm. yeah. because they are very sensitive to oxidization and when they're cooked then they're going to be definitely oxidized yeah there's nothing left and i guess you've got yeah. the you know the shell on the outside whereas when they're ground up you've got all the goodness exposed yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you definitely need to crack them because otherwise yeah. they're just going to go straight through <laughs> yeah yeah good fiber but maybe not much else yeah <laughs> So, yeah, like you said, it's um, phytoestrogens, but then also a whole food diet mm. as well. And um, like you were saying, with the bone health stuff, so you want to have calcium-rich foods and minimising caffeine, alcohol, and also sugar. Mm. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then getting our essential fatty acids in there as well. Yes. Um, yeah, that's important for brain health as well. Yeah, brain health reduces inflammation, um, prevents the vaginal dryness. Mm. So... Um, you know, important to be getting our fish in and our nuts and our seeds in and our, um, you know, good oils in our diet as well mm -hmm. um, and our probiotics as well um, for the pH of the uh, vagina keeps yes. it's in balance. Um, so, you know, again, having our, our cultured foods, our, our fermented foods is important for getting our good bacteria in there. Yeah, definitely. 
I think that when we're looking at menopause support ongoing as well, we need to look at things that are important for healthy aging. And so having your omega fatty acids and having your probiotics, that's really important for being healthy long term and having that broad range of foods for your nutrients and making sure that you're chewing really well and digesting mm. your food really well. That's, that's got to be there. Yeah, and that's something a lot of people have lost. Like I've been trying a lot recently to re-educate people on eating. So, you know, smell your food, look at your food, uh, chew your food, acknowledge the food, you know, think about the food. Don't just sit in front of the telly and scoff your food. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's all part of, you know, smelling it turn to digestion on and, and realising that, okay, food's about to hit my stomach. It's time to break this down. Like yeah. it's... Really important. A whole stage of digestion that just gets missed out, the cephalic phase, which mm. is so important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, not, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of eating on the run sometimes, but trying not to eat on the run is really valuable. Yeah, yeah. And I think that when you do get older and your stomach acid reduces, it's you're much more sensitive to issues from that. So, you, you've got to be more diligent as you get older. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's actually that's the other thing I was thinking. It's not so much you know, a menopause food, but the foods that improve our digestion would be important as well. It's like our bitter foods and mm. maybe drinking some dandelion tea to help the liver yeah. function and those bitter greens would be really useful. Yeah, that's, that's a good tip. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so menopause doesn't have to be a struggle. You can smooth it through, uh, you can <laughs> sail through it quite smoothly. You can. Yeah. That's what I plan to do. Me too. I hope so. But we've got to put the work in now. Yeah, exactly. Our bones and our stress and our gut. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So some exciting news. Laura and I are going to be putting together an e-course on natural menopause support. And that's probably going to be coming out maybe around middle, middle 2017. But in the meantime, you can join our Facebook group, which is Natural Menopause Support. So the link will be in the description of this, but head on over there and you're going to get some tips and some advice and some healthy recipes and it'll be lots of fun and you can join the community and you'll also get the first update on when this e-course is available. So that's going to be super exciting. That'll be jam-packed full of information, recipes, meal plans and heaps more. And it's women only, so yes. it's a safe, uh, safe, supportive environment to yeah. ask questions and and talk about what you might be going through and ask whether it's normal to be going through these things. Yeah. That's that is just such a common theme for people to feel like they're going crazy and to feel like they're alone. So when the e-course is launched, we will have a secret closed group <laughs> that you can go in and talk all the nitty gritty. <laughs> yes, absolutely awesome so yeah check that out join now and then you'll be the first to know (laughs) so thanks so much for joining us today laura i've had so much fun talking about it and hopefully this has been informative for lots of women out there and maybe their husbands if they're wondering what is happening with my wife (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point yeah if you enjoyed listening, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's so helpful for people to do that. And also, please give us any feedback on how you like the format of the podcast, whether you would like it to be shorter, longer, more in-depth, less in-depth, or and also other topics that you would like covered. So thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.